Welcome back to Anime Savants, everyone. And uh, this week I am Fandaniel. Oh, man. I don't even know what I should be this week. I guess <laughs> I'll be the weirdest thing I saw, which was uh, uh, Condom Battler Goro. If you, you remember that. Do you remember that like weird series that came out a while ago, like uh, last year or two years ago, where it was basically they, they did a parody of Pokemon, but it was a promotional thing for a brand of condoms? It's back. <laughs> so I'll be I'll be okay. I'll be condom battler Goro. Okay. Well, <laughs> I got something I need to look up. Yeah. All right. The, actually the episodes are hilarious. They're short. They're like two minutes long or or, or oh. less on YouTube. It's it's just I don't know. I can't believe they, they did this again. <laughs> okay, well now I have something to okay. Ooh, I should save those for subway rides. That's um funny. So, yeah, you guys, we had the collab episode last week, which if you haven't listened to the collab episode, you should, because you should. It was good. There was was a lot of good information in that episode, like a lot of good information, and it was free. So, yeah, hop on over there. Like, it was it was really good. And yeah, I didn't talk much because like James and Joe, they were like, you know, info info nonstop. So, um uh other than that, we do have some other collabs coming up. Um Joe might be back in the near future. And you know, if there's anyone else that you guys think we should link up with, like don't hesitate to tag us on Twitter, Instagram. That's how we're doing a lot of the collabs anyways. Like some of these people we don't know. <laughs> and mm, we're just not, linking not through first. social media. Yeah. Um so there's only one episode of Far Away in 86 to do and then two episodes of assassin so what would you like to do let's get those assassin episodes because that was the most consistent you know um drop yes! the last couple of weeks and they're all kind of kind of sort of related to each other um so i guess we could start with episode eight um and i think this is there's a there was th- so the action has tr- has pretty much tailed off even though the comedy is still there and we learned sort of the the end game for Lou's, um, I guess his two year mission out in Orna, and I liked episode eight and 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 half of episode nine that wasn't really dealing with any assassination because it gave a lot of time to all the various women who are now solidly a part of the story. Um, some things I was worried about in eight had to do with the way in which their lives were completely. In, dominated and infatuated with Luz, but by episode nine, which I think we'll talk about after the fact, I think there was some clarification and very some very mature, like in a good way, uh, scenes and dialogue that explain things. But what did you feel about um, the sort of re- these two episodes as like a bookend for his sort of first? I don't know everything up to his first assassination. What did you feel about it? Um, I will say with episode eight, I definitely was feeling some um, frustration with him, especially when it came to Maha. And uh, I would say like addressing other people's feelings, um, romantic feelings, because we all understand it's a harem. So like duh but the fact that maha is like being straightforward and the fact that she gave him basically that confession right before he got in the carriage and then when tart was talking to him about it he was like oh yeah no she's just being really nice and tart was like nigga what like no 
she likes you. Like, what? And so that was frustrating me a little bit. But with episode nine coming through and him like admitting more or so of his like emotional thoughts, I was like, oh, okay. So you aren't just like, you know, completely cold blooded and like callous. Like you actually are thinking about these things. It's just that you're not able to um, accurately communicate them yet. Which makes sense because he was literally just a killing machine in his previous life. So Yeah, I think it's interesting that they have circled back on that part of his character that, at least in the first, like, maybe the episode by episode three, when he first met Tart, and it was sort of a, an illusion of the fact that, oh, well, he's still just using people, um, even if he treats the ones that he wants to use very well, it's all a means to, you know, improve his success as an assassin. And then... Over the last few episodes, we kind of realized, or maybe he, the character, realizes that he genuinely does care about the double lives that he leads, or maybe he's like triple at this point, because you know yeah. we've have we've had it hammered home that as a public-facing noble, he does care about the people who rely on him and his family, as evidence in eight, well, seven and eight, where he uh, uses his success as a business person to funnel money back into his um you know his people back home but it's not just to make himself rich he says multiple times that it's important to him that he improves the lives of the the residents of Tuahade. so like that is a departure from sort of his inner monologue about a variety of people that he's met so far where he's like oh i'm just trying to i'm using them okay i've got them wrapped around my finger i can do this or that so that's like one aspect of his character that uh, I think has has grown and he's taken it seriously. The second is when he's in his double life as Illig and he does actually care about I forget the name of the city, but where you know the city he moved to, his business, um yeah. the people who work for him. Like it's not just a, strictly a means to an end and he does cultivate good positive relationships and I think in uh, episode 9 he kind of comes out and says it at the end where even as an assassin now he internalizes the emotional weight of the things that he's doing, whereas before yes. he did not. I love that how he basically, from now on, he isn't just killing people because he was told to. He's actually um, assessing whether or not they should be killed in the first place. Yeah, and I, I agree that part of what worried me as well in 7 and then to a greater degree in 8 is that we were going to fall further into the dumb side of the harem that is already kind of set up for him because uh-huh. it'd be easy to do that you know they they have they've drawn some attractive women they've put them in a position where they are completely beholden to or infatuated with the main character now to the show's credit and the writer's credit it's not out of nowhere right in at least one case it is or maybe all the cases it's deliberate on the part of Lou to get their affection but at the same time he is not uh following you know his carnal interest in these women it's more uh utilitarian at first and then it definitely becomes personal and each of the people who are in that harem he likes them for different reasons which i think is important for their own character development without him because the way in which he perceives them they perceive themselves and then the the growth or lack thereof of their relationship with him in the way that they want to is a more adult way of framing what is still a very silly situation. I mean, like he is presented as the perfect man. Um, I think Maha even says this to him. 
um, that, you know, he, he's a, the greatest man she's ever met in her life. No wonder she'd be, you know, interested in him. Yeah. But rather than have that lead to some psychotic sort of obsession, which I would argue if you look at something like Overlord. Um, oh, another, like, my pop- God. With the way that right, they like, act. Exactly. Specifically the Albedo character, but there are others as well. Where, yes, the main character is the object of the harem, but the reasons for why that is and really play more to psychosis than to, you know, any anything genuine or interesting about his character. Here we see that he's actually done good things for people. And even though he lives a sort of a gray in a very gray area and is a murderer and is a, and I would say by definition, he is a psychopath. Um, he is also a human and they respond to the human side much more than just the cold-blooded killer or the powerful noble or those other parts that I would say would make it a very unhealthy... I mean, it's already unhealthy, but like... Yeah, a, yeah. Uh, an uncomfortably unhealthy kind of relationship. So all of that was stretched over the last three episodes. And I wanted to get your opinion on the conversation that Lou had with Maha in the cart in episode nine when he goes back uh, to Orna to pick up some information. What did you feel about the maturity of that conversation as she's basically she's confessing on one end but she's also having an adult conversation about what her interests actually are and what she wants out of it and when and when she wants it which i think is very unusual i thought that was good and and unusual for these types of shows but what did you feel about that scene oh you thought it was i honestly i liked it i respected her for doing that and i also saw that um being viable from her character because of the life that she's already lived So when I think of like, in contrast, when I think of like Tart, like Tart really didn't have to like, you know, scrounge for herself. Like, I mean, she had a family, but like Maha basically had been living on the streets for a while. So she's been self-sufficient. And then even with this, Luke has given her like, what's the name of the company? Orna? Yeah, Orna. Yeah, Orna. I don't remember the name of the city, but that's the company. Yeah. Um, He's given her a lot of stuff. He's given her a lot of responsibility with that. And he's also let her follow up on her vengeful streak, which I'm pretty sure we're going to see that play out yes. um, in some form or another. But I think that she is not just like following him along. I think she's noticing these things. And uh, Tart probably notices them too, but just doesn't care because she's literally like, my life is in your hands. While Maha, I mean, she's thankful, but also she still would have lived. She would have just been miserable. So I think Maha maybe has a slightly less attachment to him. And uh, with that, like detachment or with not as much of a connection to him, I think that that gives her the like courage to actually come at him in a way that I think the other girls don't. Well, we haven't even seen much of fuck. What's she hasn't even been on the show so much. I'm forgetting her name. Leah. Ellie. Dia. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So who knows what's going to happen with her and the announcement that he wants to marry her, which yeah. of course so is, she, is a tool. Right. So she was in the, had some scenes in the end credits as well that, uh, you know, kind of give you the, 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 uh, the implication of what they, what the story wants to do with her character. But I would say that the three women who are set up as part of this harem, I think, really in interesting ways represent different um now i wouldn't call them archetypes but like like different framings of what this main character's relationship with women is because for both maha and tart they're both subordinates 
to him. And in a lot of ways, he sees them as subordinates. Not necessarily like in a in a bad way, but like he is a patron to them rather than um, Dia, who I think he sees and has you know not been shy about saying that he sees her as an equal. Maybe the first person he met who he felt wasn't equal to him the whole time and so if you look at the conversation that like say tart had with uh his mother in that conversation you know we say she says out loud that she wants to be with him but but is willing to be a tool yeah then you have the conversation with maha where she says she wants to be with him but she noted that he taught her that you that for that in a negotiation you can't just show up with nothing. And so she also wants to grow herself to be seen as his equal in order to have a chance to have that kind of relationship, which is a different relationship than the one that Tart wants. And then Dia, who's kind of already at that level, or maybe a little bit beyond that with him, kind of represents someone who from the very beginning, she doesn't have to convince him of anything. He's already down. He's like, I want to marry this woman. And they've made it clear in this world that there's nothing wrong with taking some mistresses. So, you know, they. I'm sure they've, they've cleared the way for anyone's fantasy harem to work without the usual uh problems that come with polyamory <laughs> but uh but they but they're all they're all three representing maybe different stages of growth in the framing of their relationship and his understanding of them as independent people so i think that's interesting that you have all three of those versions of of the character but they're represented by different people with different interests so it's cool i like it i thought it was really like a, a more mature way of handling what is still an absurd and laughable kind of a trope so i appreciate well, that i found these episodes way more engaging than the maha origin stuff i fully that, agree yeah fully agree these were way more engaging on different levels as opposed to just like watch these girls suffer correct and that i guess leads to the very end of episode nine where we get his first assassination mission, which is a lot less uh, extremely violent than the first assassination we saw in the beginning of episode one. Yeah. So I thought that uh, the idea there of like focusing on showing him getting to know his target, and then at the end when he points out that like he now realizes the pain that he leaves behind doing what he thinks is right, and that he basically resolves not to be a tool anymore... If he's going to kill, he's doing it because he's decided to do it, which is the fulfillment of what he told his father in episode seven. Maybe it was seven. Um, Just seven? Eight? Well, maybe it was eight. Maybe it was the beginning of eight. Whenever he, whenever the, when the father offered him the opportunity to just like leave the assassin. Full-time merchant. Yeah. And, like that. and he yeah. said like, oh, well, I'm doing this for myself. That was true. But this episode when he gets the kill off and kind of has that brief conversation with, with, with Tart, that's when... I think it became more solidified as like, okay, here's what my ideology and worldview are. I'm an adult now. And in the yeah. context of the show, I mean, he was already an adult, but you could, you could argue that he was a really like underdeveloped person in his first life. He was just a weapon. And so being reincarnated gave him an opportunity to become a f- more fully functional adult person, which is very interesting I- given he was probably like in his fifties when he died. So that maybe that says something about our society. <laughs> These bunch of men. One thing that I'm also looking forward to is the father highlighted that like the 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 royal family they will throw them away mm-hmm. at a moment's notice, and so I'm also thinking that he's going through all of this um with these with these assassins or with these assassinations is because uh, he's gonna look for hints 
of whether or not it can be like botched or if it's like a setup mm, and right. that way he can he can like protect himself simultaneously as opposed to just being a mindless weapon yeah i like that i wonder where that's going because you know uh we've still been told that the primary end game is doing is is the hero whatever that means whether it means killing them or something else happens which i suspect maybe they're setting up that they they don't but but that's what we've been told so then the question is this other bit about the kingdom itself is that going to be wrapped up in that story is that a separate um challenge before or after yeah i don't know well we know the hero is not a girl now that is true that is right yes so that's kind of slightly disappointing to me because <laughs> I was expecting like not not a I don't know. So you wanted something not. out of left field, maybe something that was yeah. unusual. Well, I think we're, I was expecting something like that. We're yeah. getting it with these uh, alternative uh, ass- like assassination plans that this goddess keeps coming up with. But like I, I'm it, what there wasn't one in episode nine, I think, but in eight, I was so. I was like, "What? What? <laughs> what is going on? You gonna try to kill, like, be a paparazzo and kill him? Is this a, a, a Lady Diana reference or something? Princess Di? Like, yeah. is that what it is?" I mean, it made sense. So basically, like, people people commit suicide based off of the things that they publish. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, but they don't have like internet, right? <laughs> like, information isn't gonna get around like that like no this is not gonna work and the hero's cart killed you not even the fucking that was funny that was makes me even ponder like is that one of the hero's skills like is that one of the like crazy fucking skills that the hero has it'd be interesting if the hero was not i mean i know you said that you were disappointed that maybe we know that now that it's a dude but what if the hero's ability is like a non-combat ability you know, when they talk about, Whoa. like, strength and power, maybe that means something completely different. And the only reason why I even would float that, even though, like, this show is the type of show where they just want to set up a big, ridiculous fight. That's what they're that's what they're building up for. It The fact that they still do all these goddess segments, which are literal comic relief, I mean, that's what they are. They're just straight-up comedy every single time, um, leads me to believe that that could be more a part of the story you know the i won't say the comedy but like so you know, that doing, they could actually be viable ways to affect the hero yeah because actually kill the hero because otherwise i have no idea why they are included because they are they are canon this is not like a omake yeah. segment where they're going off and it's like oh after the credits you'll see the goddess do something goofy but like in in the world she is a very you know serious character no 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 she is fucking weird and a literal cartoon all the way through so I'm I'm just curious as to where that goes. We probably won't get any answers this season, but yeah, I don't think we're getting any answers this season. I hope it gets renewed for another season. I am enjoying it. Yeah, uh, same here. So, yeah, I thought those two episodes were pretty good and a good. If you're gonna do like um exposition and character development, I would prefer that the show do it this way rather than like the Maha flashback because it was just yes it wasn't that it was like and again we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago but it's not that it was bad necessarily it's that it was too much to get like there was a point to be gotten across and they could have done it much quicker and without like as much of the repetitious rape like i don't mind if you want to have that edgy content in there that's okay there's a storyline reason but just not so much you know 
maybe not as much self-harm yeah exactly that as well yeah. like those two things i think you can you can tell the same story but just more concise just get to the point and everything will be better off for it but yep overall still like it i think we're probably gonna get dia back in the mix because now that he's doing assassinations i would assume we move into the stage where they're kind of gonna start picking up him getting stronger for the hero you know for that showdown yeah you know what i did misconstrue something though when he like left maha i was like what the fuck are you doing why are you leaving her and then she showed up the next episode like helping him out and i was like oh okay i was like okay i'm cool with this okay okay yeah i like that they're all doing other things like tart is like as of every character in here she has like the least inner life and so having her sort of be the constant shadow to him is very sensible and then maha has a job a literal job and then a a job for as an information gatherer yeah and her revenge so she has things that are go that can go on that don't require her to be around all the time in fact make more sense and give the show some life because you can go away from characters for a little bit that aren't necessarily doing very much and then come back and have more story for them to tell same with dia right like she's been gone out of the plot with you know with a couple exceptions um for most of the series after episode three you know she he showed up once in her house but that's it so so there's something there and i'm looking forward to that as well so you know all good all good all right let's do paladin next yeah so i enjoyed this episode I, I I did too. So this was this episode focused on uh, Will and is it Mendel? I think is that, that the, yeah the half Mendel. elf. Yeah, getting oh, sort wait, of out of the men. Is it Mendel? Me- you're there. right. Yeah. Well, okay. It's one of those. It's one of the, yeah. yeah. So they they get out of the initial town. The target is White Sails, and they you know there's a little uh, on the road action where he faces off with a giant fucking gorilla and then just like backs <laughs> it off with willpower alone no pun intended so i thought that was cute then we get introduced to the uh new or the rest of the party that was uh teased in the opening so we have uh what's the guy name? is it Ver- tonio yeah Tonio yeah. and Ro- robina yeah so that's the bar the uh bard halfling bard and the they call him a, a hawker but it's a, he's basically a merchant a traveling yeah, merchant. He's a merchant yeah and we get a little of uh his backstory we find out that he, i guess he went broke something bad happened to him and so now he's just sort of on the road trying to not swindle because he doesn't strike me he's a very earnest character he does yeah i don't think he yeah. is malicious with it i don't i don't think so i think that um he's just a they just they spend a lot of time in the episode pointing out that this guy is a very effective businessman and um will makes the observation internally that you know he's doing things to do better business but it's not like it's unscrupulous it's just intelligent yeah right when he when he for example finds that when tonio finds out that will can heal people and then he kind of rolls will into his um uh sales operation but in a very soft peddling kind of way um i think he's probably just really good at discovering like you know what do these people need exactly what do they want and And doing a yeah go go ahead go ahead ahead. no no just doing the good merchant thing of like pairing up people's desires with real you know products that he can sell them so it, it didn't come off in a negative way to me uh and then uh i like how will said about 
uh, Rabina that she doesn't have any boundaries, <laughs> which is a funny quote, uh, but was true because um, she kind of jumps on to every, everyone's interesting to her. I wasn't expecting that from that character, to be honest. From my I didn't know what to expect. of her in the opening, I was like, oh, it's like a shy little daughter. And it was like, nope. No, immediate, in your face, talking nonstop. Like, but also not condescending and not like grading. No, no, not. They don't. That's the thing about this series is that almost even the like villainous characters are very earnest. Everyone is very upfront about sort of like what they're about in this world. Um, you know, there's there is depth. I'm not saying that you meet they meet someone. And it's just an info dump about their whole lives. But like if it's going from Will to Blood and Mary and Gus to Metal to the gods to these new people they met, even the folks in the town, people just like there there's there's not like a lot of um cheap uh misdirection. People mm. say what they mean, act how they intend, and then it's up to the everyone else to just react to those things. That means that there's not this undertone of cynicism in the whole series. So like Will, who is a little a little baby, you know, <laughs> he 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 doesn't know nothing about nothing in this world. Uh, is just transparent. I want more people to worship my God. That's it. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's they. I'm sure you could write that. You could make Grace feel, you know, a more uh, have ulterior motives, or Tonio could be like a a sort of jive talking, uh, you know, terrible salesman or some other. Th- no, they're just what they say on the tin. And then we get the end of the episode, which is a recitation of the of some backstory for Blood, Mary, and Gus, which I thought was very interesting. Which that also I cute. appreciate that their like their goals are simple because they, I feel like that gives them room to evolve and change. Yeah, so. I thought that there's nothing wrong with that. So, um, how did you feel? I think in general about the direction that this episode is taking the series because I'm we excited. went from like no party to like okay he's out he's got like four people there. I'm still looking for the central conflict that they're going to have to resolve this season. I think it's going to be a, like preventing a civil war. It could be. It could be very political, which would get us into that territory of what they are not really doing with these characters, which is a lot of like def- depth and gray area in the effects of their actions. Because even well, Will says... In- go ahead, go ahead. Well, I'm enjoying the way that they brought Will into it. It's not that he was just like simply passing through like... He actually wants to go and like meet that half elf that has a connection to true. Blood Mary and Gus. True, true, true. So I forgot about that. The fact that she's that well, she's clearly the ancestor of the kingdom. Cause and also it gives us a glimpse into how long Mennel's gonna stay alive. That's crazy though. Like <laughs> two hundred years later and you still and you're a halfling? Oh girl. <laughs> oh, yeah. So but I enjoyed how they're because Will doesn't see it coming. I know he doesn't, but you know, as especially if you watched what um the fuck Finance Kingdom, what the fuck was it? Realist Hero. Oh yeah, no. yeah, yeah, Realist Hero. Yeah, 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 yeah. After watching that, I'm just like, oh, Will, you heading into like political like turmoil right yes. now. But I also liked how they posed it where. They made it seem like the the younger brother who everyone likes. When they showed his photo, he looked smug as fuck. Uh yeah, he looked or at the very least he looked very like uh confident and self-assured in a way that could go either way. You could see that as like a yes. villain character or you could see that as sort of like the 
is there is it right to call that like um an like an adult adult like somebody who is who has ulterior motives but may not necessarily be a bad person just sh- shrewd that's what i'm looking yeah. for you look yeah, like yeah, a sh- yeah, yeah. like a shrewd character and that can go either way i agree yeah. and so I, i'm very much so interested because i want to know you know is my first impression of uh, this so-called like person that should be the king correct or is it one of those situations where like the guy who actually is the king is like suffering low key or like the brother sabotaging him in multiple ways and like you know you never know and that's well not that you never know but those are the the um plot strings that I'm picking up on and I'm excited for either of them or for something completely different I'm also very excited that like he, they're out of the little villages um so now he's going to have to actually deal with like cunning humans who he's not familiar with like how they operate in this world in a bigger city so yeah i don't think he's ever yet in the story dealt with someone other than i guess stagnate whose intention was to take advantage of him or take advantage of people who are around him so that's i'm also curious as to how that will pan out and how he'll his character will react to something that he actually thinks is I don't want to call it like an injustice, but like something that is bad, but whose con- the consequences for him intervening are not like linear. It's not like, well, if I beat this guy, now I save everybody. Maybe if you do something that is immediately beneficial to some people, you're going to cause a lot of harm on the back end. And so, give give some moral some moral uh, conundrum right. for that character to solve. Um, I want. Did, did you feel? I don't know what, what your experience is like this, but did you feel like? This episode, except for like the po- politics info dump, felt like a like a D and D scenario. Like yes. somebody's like tabletop group. They're like, oh, let's yeah. just turn this into a thing. I'm I'm curious if like the author's background for this story was a D and D thing. The way, um, remember the Record of Lotus War, that older uh-huh. series. That was yeah. a D, that was just a D and D scenario that the author turned into a manga. What? So I wonder if that's the same thing here. Wow. I mean, I I will be honest for like the first one third of the episode, I kind of was like checked out Mm -hmm. and then it started to like pick up. I I guess I was definitely more so engaged with like the Mary and blood and Gus like um, minstrel song and how that actually translated into like what's real and then how that translated into the actual conflict that's coming. I'm more so enjoying like the flow of the storytelling as opposed to like the actual storytelling that's going on, or at least the storytelling that was going on within the first part of the episode. Yeah, I was more or less the same way. I I hesitate to say this out loud, but unlike many other series, I do care about the lore of this world. Oh yeah, and so the when it is developed a little bit more, I am more excited for everything because it provides context for what's going on. Like I legitimately thought that at the beginning of this episode, it was going to be about him and, uh, um, uh, what is his name? Mental going out and like dungeon raiding or something. And just, we get a nice, cause he said little, he wanted to do that. shit. I know. I thought the setup, even the end of the last episode, I thought they were like setting up to go after a boss or do something. And they don't, they just, it's off screened. They make some money and then they just get out and they just go about their business, which I, you know, at first I was a little bummed, but then when they started getting into a lot of the politics and the history, even of the even with the minstrel song, I felt like I was more engaged with what was going on and what had happened before. It actually improved the stuff I'd already seen. And that is not 
a common feat for most <laughs> most uh, stories, anime, manga, movies, TV shows. Sometimes you you find out what's really going on and you're less interested. I was more interested. That's all I have for that one. Yep, same here. Um, so looking forward to next week. I guess uh, we'll end. We can end with eighty six. And I have geez. I have I'm of several minds, and not all of it has to do with what was in the episode. So okay, uh, I'll go first then. Yeah, yeah, please I, do. I, I will let you. I think you you may that. mention a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about. But okay, yeah, go so ahead. first of all, was there a mistranslation on yours? Because at the end of the episode, it said before the operation, but it seemed like what occurred was after the operation. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I I was very confused by okay. that last scene. I was, and I'm still. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if it was a mistranslation. Well, the thing was, it's like. Because during the battle, um, uh, Frederica, when she yelled, it seemed as though he wasn't expecting her to be there. But if she were already there, he wouldn't have been surprised. And also, she would have been talking in his fucking ear the entire time. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's after. But then, yeah, I'm so confused because Homegirl was alive. But they said that the Najtahar is down. So I'm like, did it explode or did it crash? Like, I am. I have so many questions. There was a lot that wasn't really communicated with that little like jump. So, uh anyways, outside of that, before let's say that like I'm watching the episode and that like that final scene didn't even fucking happen. Um. They just really didn't give a fuck about everybody but the main cast. Actually, no. It, it, this, this, they cared about no one but Shin this episode. They dropped them off the Najdahar, and the shit immediately got blown the fuck up. Or <laughs> crashed or what the fuck ever. Something. Like, something happened, but we heard Homegirl go, <laughs> yep. and, and disappear. Um, Shin had his like moments in the city, you know, cute, cute, whatever, whatever. I'm honestly surprised that the other team that were that are part of their unit that they were still living so remember i mentioned last week that i my my bet was that nobody was gonna die yeah or two weeks ago not last week but two weeks ago my bet was that they were they were swerving us and that because they have their core cast they're not going to be as kill happy in this scenario and i Mm. i i think for now that that bet has panned out but who knows honestly i was i was shook I didn't see it coming. Um, that that like what pale rider? Yes. Oh my god! Because in the moment, I'm like, oh shit! I was like, it's just gonna like implode on itself and take you niggas out, or like send the shockwave. And then that shit stopped. And then they showed that nigga on top of the fucking uh, cliff, and I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But then we also got to see into the minds and a slight bit of the operations of the Legion mm-hmm. and how things happen, what what they know. They base, they are tracking Shin. They are 100, tracking 100%. Shin. They have the, a name for him. They the have Lager a name for or something? Him. Yeah. They have a name for him. The fact that he is to the point where they literally are like, this particular nigga got to go. He's got to go. He's an actual threat, and we thought we killed him already. He's got to get out of here. And I don't know if that's based off of like um, his brother's interpretation that like has been sent back to the hive mind or if it's basically them just like observing. Actually, it's probably more so of the observations. And um, they know that he has that ability because uh, fuck, what's the guy's name? The Frederica's knight. He said that like, oh, when we are in standby mode, he can't fucking Kiri. notice Kiri. Is it yeah. Kiri? Yeah. Yeah. Kiri. And I was like, uh-oh. 
So it's not that that power has a weakness. It's just that there are caveats to it. So yeah, so I'm I'm all over the place in this episode because I felt like this episode was all over the place. Oh, so, I have one more thing. Oh yeah, go for it, go for it. Go um, for it. I also very much so enjoy the president be basically being ready to follow the fuck through. Bro, that was hilarious. Oh <laughs> my god, he got out that chair and he was like, "What did I tell you, niggas? What did I tell you?" Niggas? <laughs> I told he you. He said y'all fucked up. He literally says like y'all fucked up by by making me president. Yeah, literally. <laughs> he literally said, "I told you who I am. Now you have to find out." Like, Damn. love love that part. Okay. Damn. Now now. Damn. <laughs> so th- this is the crazy thing is like so I'm with you on on all of this. Like there were so many different interesting things that were there, also baffling things, things that either made no sense or maybe they were just like I don't know. I, it's hard to put into words. I think the way I looked at this episode when I was done, first of all, I had a big WTF at the end because of everything we talked about. But yeah. also, I think, so we know outside of the, you know, what we got released this week, that this is a show that suffered from like multiple production problems. There have been yes. delays. We're getting another delay coming up, even though that is like, that's like one of those like fortunate delays. Like, oh, there's a holiday. Oh, I guess we can't do anything. <laughs> right? Like, they're just, they're sweating bullets over there for whatever reason. And I, it's hard for me to separate the problems in the production from what I think are the problems in the direction of many parts of this series, this 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 season. And when I say problem, I don't mean these aren't things that make the show bad. They're not a a black mark, and they're they make everything unwatchable. But like, it's very clear that a lot of content was left on the cutting room floor in order to tell the story that they're trying to tell in the time that they've got. But how you do that is a directorial decision as well as a budget decision. So my yeah. expectation for this week was that we were going to get a very combat heavy, um, animation heavy, Sakuga possibly heavy episode that would not necessarily advance the plot super far or move too far in the future, but would sort of serve as a, you know, um, what's the right word for it? You know, when you have like a uh, culmination point, but it's not the it's not the climax, that it would serve as like, you know, a, mm. a, a high point for us to come down for a couple episodes before yeah. we get to the whatever the big finale is, which I assume is going to be them pushing all the way to their old district and finding whatever is going on you know the aftermath of whatever is going on there. That's what that's where I think we're going. Oh, but like from a turning a, point. Is that yeah, like that because yeah. that'd be a fine place to end the se- end the season with them coming back to the uh to you know their old homeland and and having some shock reveal right at the end a cliffhanger so you can. Go I don't even want any of that because now that's the thing though that end scene confused everything because it's like yes. oh now they're out there by themselves and they're not going to get a supply reason so i'm like so we're back at the same yes place that exactly we were at, at the end exactly of one. exactly so that's kind of my my criticism of this episode and frankly some other episodes in this season so far is that from a directorial and writing point of view some of these episodes are just incredibly disjointed and they're asking a lot of us to like sort out what the fuck is going on so in this episode, because you brought it up before, um, we we have that early moment of like, okay, we're a cool combat operations are about to happen, and then the Naharazar or whatever it is, like, is quickly out of the episode. Maybe it gets shot down. I'm like, okay, let's assume for a minute that like that is what happened. That the thing went off and they released the people in the nick of time, and then it goes off and gets blown up. And oh man, that would be your first major character death 
of the episode to set up like you know how what a threat this is then we get the march into the city that was pretty straightforward we didn't like skip ahead too much in time and there's a cool fight scene to deal with the attack and then there's a swerve that oh no they moved the engine it's a fake there it was a trap to kill them all that stuff i'm with you i'm with you i'm with you it's right up until that spot where shin is stuck in the like the tower the electrical tower and he's like at the mercy of this enemy everyone's screaming his name he's up in his own head frederica is like trying to get through to him he's kind of lost his mind at up to that scene totally with what they did you know with with i was totally behind what they were doing then we get the cutaway to the internal monologue of the legion and my question is like oh there's character characters back here yeah this is it this is different why didn't we get more of this before? Okay, fine. You want to you wanted to intro it now? Cool. But then it's sort of like they don't want to kill him. So now we have intrigue. Like they had him trapped. They had him dead to rights. And the one of the the I don't know whether to call them like AIs or how they're presented. They're like zombies. But let's say like these AIs. Now they they've got a bigger plan. We don't know about the plan. And they they spare him. And uh, that's where I feel like the episode kind of just fell off the rails because there's stuff that clearly happened between when he uh, was let go by the other, um, by, by uh, what do you call it, the Kiri's ghost AI, and then Yay. when we finally see everybody back together again, that, I don't know why you would cut that part out. I, I don't understand. And then to have Frederica be there, fine, but where was uh, Fido? I don't remember Fido being part of the drop group or being in there in the city with oh, them. Oh, no, I, I saw Fido. Oh, he, he was, was in there? Yeah, he was on that metal plate. He was at like the very edge. Oh, he was. Okay, well, I'll take that part back because I didn't, I didn't notice that. Because I okay. was looking for him because I expected Frederica to sneak in through him. That was my guess as well, but I, don't, I think I forgot because it was two weeks. So, yeah, <laughs> let, let's. So, I'll, t- I'll table that part as to why he and Frederica are there. But to move quickly forward, okay, so what what are they actually doing? I thought that from the moment the other um, uh, super weapons start to move away, then the whole squad gets together and they start chasing after it. How do they have time to be stopped in a warehouse? And what is this before the mission? Before what mission? What are, we, what are we talking about? Why don't we leave this part out? What is the point of doing this? I think it was a, I think it's just a, a directorial fail we that scene they want to get it in there uh to do what you were talking about bookend the story that oh we're kind of back to we're all on our own but like even his the rest of that squad remember when they say oh we'll stay behind and hold him back why why just wipe them out and go like now is this just to like get our main characters together by themselves for the poetic anyway i'm not gonna dwell on any further the point is i think that there was there were some mistakes in uh what was chosen to be adapted because now it leaves me with a jarred distorted feeling of what the story is trying to do whereas right before this i was i was all in things were rolling we were good so that's how i feel about it but damn these delays fucking crazy. yeah i mean basically everything that you've said i i agree with like i just i'm confused but at the same time, I'm kind of like simped because they did give us a lot of yeah. Like, there was a ton wow, of like shiny there was a ton moments. of really cool and please, I want to know more about the the Legion now. I want to know how many named fucking generals there exactly. are. Exactly, and they were talking like there were more than one. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's no way, and also the fact that that what was that thing that showed? It was like something violation. 
yeah, on, yeah, on yeah, yeah. Thing where I'm like, uh oh, is that a remote like lockdown thing? Yeah, like, I thought that was on? so fascinating. Every part of that was really like, again, lore, right? Let's get yes. let's get into that shit. But for whatever reason, to I guess what I'm saying is introducing it right there felt like a lot. Where it we felt like a lot. And honestly, if they were going to do that, they should have put that scene at the beginning of the episode. One hundred percent. Actually, before and 100%. then ended it on the banger shit with. Um, actually, they could have ended the episode with Kiri's like error screen, and I would have been like, "Oh shit!" That see, you you nailed it. Like that's a, what you're describing is a directorial decision about presenting information, and I think that way, and possibly there are other ways as well. That would have worked. I just don't agree with the way that they decide to go about it. Because now, instead of leaving this episode excited, I'm leaving this episode confused and not in a good way about parts of the plot that I was pretty sure were straightforward. Um, so that's just my overall feeling. I am like you and simped for the show because they do so much well. Uh, it has a lot of goodwill and I'm not upset about it, but it's just I notice. I see you. I see what you're doing. I, I see, see you and I want bipedal machines now. I'm Thank with you. you. We're not going to get him, but I'm but I'm with you. We like I feel like he should ask for that, but I also feel like they no because I feel like they have better maneuverability in like cityscapes and shit like that because of the spider thing. But it doesn't matter because he needed a bipedal thing when he got caught up in that damn True. I, what um, was his like, plan? His plan yeah. was to jump and just get stuck? Yeah, like you need a biped like brah. Okay. Maybe it's coming. I hope it comes. I but think it will. Also, it's. I feel like it's such a waste. How are you going to introduce the Najtaha like that and then immediately just like knock that shit out the air? Do, do just, you remember a, a one line that she said that I, I maybe I didn't understand it? She made it seem like when they asked, uh, how are you going to survive or something like that? She said something to the effect of um, there's a second one or a backup or maybe some hidden thing that would allow her to live through that moment oh yeah how are they gonna get out because the Najdhar can't it can't launch itself right i don't know mm. maybe i thought i was gonna have like a secret super weapon on it when i'm like now we're going full gundam no they like literally the... just dropped them niggas true <laughs> and kept true. it moving like true. well okay sure fine well, okay, so we we got the what what stuff have you been watching besides the these three? I know that there there were some pretty notable releases this week. Um, um, well, let me go ahead and get this simping out of the way. Mushoku Tensai they named this episode Turning Point Two, and bitch, where they this was one of the one of the best like high action. I'm pretty sure you, you can go on Sakuga Bull right now. You're gonna see it. I'm pretty okay, I, shit. like the 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 fight. First, first of all, there were two spear fights. There was one spear fight that was just a sparring match, and then there was another spear fight where like it was just like you know how you know how in Dragon Ball where they're like fighting in the air and they're just like and you can't see their arms. They did that with this shit, but you could see every single spear movement. Like it was. Insane. I gotta get it on the show. You it got was me. You got so me. So fucking good, and that wasn't even the climax of the fucking battle. Like we got no. I can't even say that. I can't even say that because that's a spoiler, y'all. If you haven't watched Mushoku Tensai, just you just don't get spoiled. If you have any intention on watching it, do not get spoiled on what happens in this episode because the 
everything that came before the episode made the series extremely worth it. It's fucking phenomenal. But this episode, this is one of those episodes where I was like, I'm rewatching this. I'm rewatching this immediately. That was so good. It was, it was, it was fucking perfect. It was, it was, yeah. And honestly, I think that might may have like skyrocketed it to like anime of the year for me, to be honest. Wow. I love you, Jujutsu Kaisen, but wow. you know, you, you straddled two years. So. Wow. <laughs> You're like, I can't, you don't want to give him the award uh, two years in a row off of that shit. I mean, the movie coming out, so people might be like, you know what? Give this shit to them niggas again, because what the fuck is this? Bro, like, that movie I, looks outrageous. <laughs> I, I would, I have not seen a single PV. I don't know nothing. Oh, oh. I am, I'm going oh, in completely blind. Oh. Completely blind. God damn. I'm ready. I'm re- ready. Um, yeah, Mushoku Tensai. If you just, you gotta, you gotta get, you gotta get on it. You gotta get on it. Um... I also, oh man, banished hero. I wanted. I don't. The show is. It's just. It's just good. It's just good. It's not overly well. Actually, there's a lot of shit going on that we don't have explanations for. But the way that they've explained a lot of the plot so far, or how we've gotten like plot resolutions, I'm I'm loving it. And what happened this week? This is something that I didn't think would even happen this season. And so now I'm like, well, shit. Where do we go from here? What the fuck's about to happen? Like, I love, 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 love. I'm glad I actually picked that show up. Um, me and Ruko-chan, sweetheart. <laughs> Girl, I don't know what's going to happen. But um, <laughs> have, you, have you ever seen that documentary, um, uh, Don't Fuck With Cats? Yes. There's someone, I think they have, they have a, they, I think the, like, the villain that's appearing right now, he's, he's literally a cat killer. And I think like, that's fucking wild. This, yeah, that this arc is, which I mean, this was written well before that like Netflix documentary came out. But yeah, um, I think that like this is the next plot with the show is that like she somehow has to do something about this nigga before he escalates from killing cats to like actual humans. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, yeah, and they, it, they've and done it that on like CSI and other shows like that. Yeah, but like the only way that she even knows about this is because he's being haunted by all of the cat spirits that he's killed. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, so yeah, um, Miriko. I mean, it's had my attention, but it's getting better and better. And then they have like um, gods from the shrines coming into it, and supposedly people are telling me that like a lot of there's an info dump coming. But the season might be ending right before the info dump. So I'm just like, well, that does nothing for everybody, especially the anime onlys. But still enjoying that. Um, and now I have to catch up on it's almost the end of the season. And I got, I'm got i going to be caught up on Platinum End before it hits the next core. I know that for a fact. And I guess I see a lot of people talking about tact. Um, I mean, maybe it's uh, some of the developments that have happened in the last couple episodes to, yeah it, like, i haven't been spoiled but i've seen people basically being like oh wow like things are coming together well i i don't know if they're coming together what i know is that it's at least they've established what the you know the antagonists who they oh, are and okay, what they're trying okay. to do that i mean it's kind of hard to go like six or seven episodes without some kind of direction there and there is some decent intrigue so uh besides okay. the good besides the, the really good uh animation and the music and you know things like that the, the show has a lot to offer for itself but it certainly is more of a 
slow burn because it is kind of weird. Like if you try to explain it, it to people, it's it not is. a one sentence kind of deal. Um, so I can I can at least back that up that it's it's hitting its stride now in a good way. Oh, and old summer ranking is still fucking amazing. Like, yeah, y'all can't fuck with my nigga Boji now. Say that much. Yeah. Is, is, has he grown up or does he still look like a little? No, we are we are still the shit that has gone on in this show. Like we, no, if I say that, then that's gonna be a huge spoiler. Listen, everybody ain't shit except for a few people, and the people that you think are shit, the people that you think are neutral, actually ain't shit, Ooh, <laughs> and the people okay. that you think ain't shit are actually good. So, but is that that's that's not the rule for everybody? Like the. I, I, I just, I love this show. When I think of like a modern fairy tale done like, rem, like just so fucking well, like everything is put together. Everything fucking matters. Every little hint, every little, like the music is fucking amazing. The fucking fight scenes are fucking amazing with studio. Thank you. Like, yeah, love it. Love it. Love it. Not as much as Mushoku, but I love it. But Mushoku is has way more episodes under its belt. So Osama might sneak the fuck up. But yeah. Um and I've been reading more Tower of God. Well, we're in we're in other stuff watching. I'll go to that later. Yeah, good. I want to talk about that because uh one of our potential guests has some really interesting thoughts about Tower of God. So that Ooh. if you're getting caught up, then that's fantastic. Um I'll talk about a couple of things I'm watching, which is not admittedly not as much. Um, just for a variety of reasons, holiday and, um, being backlogged. I can, I, I, tact, as we talked about before, looks really good. Um, there was a cliffhanger, not really a cliffhanger, but a big reveal two episodes ago that kind of has gotten the story moving in, in a good direction. I will argue for me personally, the one of the best episodes of anime I watched this year was that, uh, uh, New Orleans episode that they did a couple weeks back, um, just from a writing and a um, subversion of expectations and messaging and animation point of view. So that's a show that, at least for me, this season is going to stand pretty tall, even if it kind of does devolve into action-oriented silliness. Like, I appreciate that I got that episode out of that series. Um, other stuff, Platinum End, spoiler-free, I don't know how they're getting out of this particular conundrum. Um, they've introduced <laughs> a character who I thought had death flags literally written all over him. And they've done just about everything they can to set up him dying. But at the same time, he's also really, really cool. So I hope that there's a resolution to this part of the story where at least he can continue on and add a bit more. Um, I still don't like the female lead even though last last episode, so not this week's episode nine, but the week prior, we did yeah. actually learn a lot about her reasoning. And I won't say that it like made me like her character more, but certainly what she was dealing with, which is related to... It's bullying, but it's not necessarily being bullied. It's more the depression you cause yourself when you realize that you were a bully or you behaved in ways that were just completely unethical and against what you believe about yourself i thought that was actually pretty credible why she would take the lengths that she was going to before the timeline of the plot happened to deal with that feeling i don't fully understand but it was a it was a cute episode this week's was more about moving the plot forward and we got another villain who's super over the top and super fucking creepy um because before we had the there was a, a girl 
a lesbian girl killer who was an idol. Whoa. Who oh, was okay, fun. the idol girl. Okay, she, okay. She was a lot of fun, but she didn't like stay in the story too long. But, you know, it was cool. Now we got like a much more traditional sycophantic type um, sub-villain. And the setup for that... thing about Platinum End is that it's, it's a more cerebral show than it probably deserves to be given the premise. I know that it's from the Death Note author, and so obviously there's a lot of like cat and mouse stuff and people using their abilities to gather information and to misdirect people and so on. But the way they went about it in this episode to introduce the latest villain included a backstory where, and I kid you not, his his reason for not wanting to live anymore is because he was probably the single ugliest person in Japan. I laughed my ass off, but if they... if they drew him in a way that I could actually see this person being a real person, and I would have to agree, nigga, kill yourself, because damn. Oh, my God. <laughs> damn. And they do a cool thing because, you know, the abilities allow you to take control over people's hearts, and so a lot of the God candidates um, use it to, like, get fame and money and all kinds of things that they would just want in life. This guy got p- extensive plastic surgery, but the way they... They show this duality where, like, when he is in, like, a resting face, he is a gorgeous man. But then when his, like, inner emotions come out, his face, like, twists into a horrible, ugly, like, ugly mask that is very similar to what his unmodified face looked like. And it's a very good visual dichotomy because you can tell when he's, like, has no emotions and then when he gets very... Uh, fixated, his face turns back into that ugly, ugly, ugly face. So that was cool. That's just a cool visual um, component of this character. So those two shows, and then I also watched. Um, I'm up to date on Muv Love, which I'm just following now to see what the story is about. But this was the first episode where I felt like they weren't just info dumping all the time and running down these like visual novel, you know, side story things. It was straight up. There was there's some political shit. It's leading to fighting and action. There was. A lot of intrigue that actually made sense and was interesting and got the plot moving and kind of made you think like, man, humans are doomed if they can't get their shit together. I appreciated that. It's no never going to top the virtual on reveal <laughs> like that. That alone, I think, is the silliest thing I've ever seen this season or this year as far as a like a serious straight straight up plot device. They were this guy was good at virtual on. And then he made them integrate virtual on into all of the all of the the mecha so they could pilot them better and do combos. After that, I don't care what else the series does. It doesn't matter. It's that's just crazy. Um, and I think that's it. I'm back. I, I need to catch back up on Sakugan because everyone's saying that episode nine in particular, but also uh, Loki episode eight are some of the most like heartfelt episodes that that series has produced yet. So Whoa. now I'm ready because. Every time I watch that show, I always get like in my feelings, but in like a warm and warm kind of way. Even while there's so much cool sci-fi backstory and world building that they do, so I gotta I'm get back to that. that. They're still pulling that off. Like they, they really it's are a constant theme in the show. It wasn't just like okay, we're gonna use this to grip people. Well, because like there's an aspect of the if you ever watch the first episode, it it has this like light undertone. Like it's very. Uh, it, they could have made this like a dystopian theme the way Made in Abyss is um, with all the horror and the danger. But they, they do keep the danger and they do have some of the horror. But I think the soul of the show is just a earnest, heartfelt kind of story. And so even like the villainous characters 
they give them just enough comedy that it reminded me of like um like you ever watch Big O um on, yeah. on Cartoon Network? Like yeah. Big O was a sh- was a show that was like really noir and really serious, but like they had so much fucking comedy in that series until like the the last couple episodes where everybody dies. Spoiler. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh but like it was like goofy fucking shit and then it would lead to like, you know, these more somber things. Sakugan it wants to be a more upbeat and and positive show. So like there was a whole episode that was around what ultimately was environmental conservation. But like a character who you don't you don't uh expect to have like a big heart at the end you realize like th- this person is just really dedicated to bringing back you know the the forest i don't know what to say it like and stuff like that is cheesy when it's in a pokemon episode but in this where there's like just a little bit of danger and just a little bit of like lore that's being sprinkled in and a very clear direction for the cast to be moving if it just is fun to watch i don't know what else to say i just have a lot of fun watching that show it's not gonna break any ratings records or be super popular but i i appreciate what they're doing with it and that's it. That is um that's everything that I watched in long form this week. Cool, cool. So I'll go ahead and touch on um Tower of God very quickly. I didn't get much further than where I was at, but I did get to the point where where I mean like clearly spoilers, you guys, like yeah, it's about to happen right now. Um I got to the point where Jahad Prince. What the fuck is his mm-hmm. name? Um uh fuck. Whatever. I know Jahad, you're talking about, yeah. Ja, yeah, Jahad Prince um was talking to Homegirl and basically he's joining Rachel's crew. He told Homegirl. Oh, to you're at that part. You're at that part yeah. of the the okay, okay. And then okay. Bomb literally told the trainer, he was like, hit me with that shit, and the trainer was like, It will kill you. And he was like, You don't know me, nigga. Hit me with that shit he got hit he definitely has a power up i haven't seen i we're at the gate no i think they we just arrived to the forbidden what is Ah, the forbidden floor yeah Yeah. we just arrived there and like of course in typical tower of god fashion they're like oh yeah like they, they say this is like the platform but like the actual floor is inside that nigga's body yeah so you're you're about to was it um the what they call it hell joe all that stuff, like, that's uh-huh. coming up for you. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. Yeah, the rice, I think what they call the rice cooker or the rice pot, that's what um Yeah, the ri- yeah, the rice pot, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, he was in there training, Coons training. And then I also, I don't know, it's just, I feel like there's so many good fucking qu- quotables from this series. But I also, like, they, the characters really don't get a break when it, whether it comes to, like, physical stress or just like emo like being in your mind emotionally because uh what's the yuri's guide was training kun and the guy was like so what he was like you know bomb is growing at an exponential rate right he was like yeah and i'm always gonna be there for him and he was like well what happens when you get to the point where you can't do anything for him at all are you still gonna be a liability to be there and i'm like oh shit what if the thing you gotta do is leave yeah and i'm like fuck fuck but knowing bomb he's not gonna let nobody go nowhere uh, well <laughs> i i mean i'm not saying that as a spoiler i'm saying like even where where his direction the story is going i think it everyone kind of has to grow somewhat and bomb is no exception Kuhn oh. is no exception 
But it's not like it's not that was not foreshadowing, at least as far as I know. Um, yet maybe something else happens in the future. But like I could see how it's funny because some somebody had mentioned that that one of the things that they were frustrated about Tower of God was that there'd be so much shit happening, and then there's they'll move on to something else, and it you you also have all these questions about the thing they left behind. But it's interesting to hear somebody re- recite a part of the plot that's like from way back and i'm listening to you talk and i'm like oh wow that's crazy how well that one line factors into so many other things that, that are, are happen- happening that are currently happening and and not in a direct way not in a like he foreshadowed cool was gonna leave and then he left but like the emotional development of a lot of these characters oh. has been consistent and on a straight line you just forget about it because there have been so many chapters but like this is the it, it rewards you for being a reader um, or, or paying attention. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow, wow. So I guess I guess when I catch up, I should probably go back and start reading it again because there's probably a whole bunch of stuff I've missed. Oh, there is. Like I, I wound up um, just because I wanted something to do. I went back to the workshop battle and I oh. read forward uh, up until a little past the um, uh, floor of death, which is the part that's coming up next. Before, uh-huh. you know, and, and it was so satisfying. Oh my god. It was so fucking satisfying. Okay. I mean, I'm excited. I'm doing it like bit by bit every night before I go to bed because that way I can like commit it to memory easier. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like it's a it's a nice like, well, I would like to say it's a nice wind down. But like sometimes I'll be like, damn, it's been two hours, nigga. What the fuck? Yeah, you got to get to the. <laughs> like go to bed. Yeah, get to the next. Um, no, that, that That's really cool. I still wish we'd get more of this sh- as more animated, but that's never going to happen. Yeah. Never that, gonna happen. I feel like, what is something? No, I really don't know anything like that because Full Metal Alchemist actually had like a full run. Yes. They, and it was also super. I mean, all right. So I said never gonna happen, but I, I will amend that statement. Tower of God is extremely popular. And anytime something is very popular and making a lot of money, there's always a non zero chance that it gets readapted or picked back up because the opportunity of making a shit ton of cash is just too high. Right. So I'll, I'll back off yeah. and, and say that it is actually very possible that um, it could, we could get a second season, but the question is just who's making it, who uh, can they get back and what improvements do they intend to do to make sure that it continues? Cause I would love to see a version of it by like UFO table or something. That would be fucking crazy. But Mappa can go back to work if they want to. I mean, I would be okay if they did it Netflix style, where they basically just work on it behind the scenes for like forever. And then randomly, they're just like, okay, so we're releasing all these episodes for this arc on this date, all these episodes for this arc on this date, like, you know, set aside the fucking time. Because it's coming. The episodes are ready. We had all the time that we needed and wanted to work on them. So what you get is the finished prop. Like, I want something like that behind this. I don't want a, we're trying to keep to a schedule, get that shit out. Right. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. Even though I did enjoy what Crunchyroll did with it, but I don't think they're going to pick it back up. And, no. Or I don't think I they're, they're picking they anything back up. Rights. That's the thing. Well, also, they fucking dragging their asses with this merger. They need to fucking go ahead and drop one of the platforms. Like, come on I now. I agree. I agree. Because people, I'm already seeing people basically being like, I'm still paying double the month. When we know that y'all own the entire catalog. What's what's the problem? Like, 
can we can we can we speed it up and they should they should speed it up absolutely oh my god i just saw the ugliest man picture oh shit okay is that a man it is with this violet hair yes and the purple eyes oh, and the oh my god that that is a ugly nigga wow okay yep and wait till you okay. see what he's oh. like before before the uh, plastic surgery because that's the after picture. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I also um, started JoJo's with our adventure Stone Ocean, and uh, I mean I I already love it, like already love it. I by the end of the first episode I was like bitch, and then by the end of the second episode I was like. Just this is JoJo. This is just JoJo. It's just good fucking JoJo yep. again. Um, I did see some people talking online though about like, oh, you know, everybody hated on Stone Ocean until it got an anime announcement. That's not and, fucking you know, like, true. And blah, blah blah blah. And I'm just like, y'all, can y'all stop with the imaginary scenarios for like one day? Like one day. Can we stop with like the oh, I'm going to make up this imaginary scenario in my mind that like people didn't like this or like were vehemently against this just to stir up people who agree with my viewpoint. Yeah, like, I that's a perfect observation. Perfect. Because Jolene Cujo was always in like the top three mo- people's favorite uh, protagonists. Yeah. Yeah. Always in the top three. Like my personal one, it's, it's Joseph and her. Those are my one and two. But that's it's never. It's just that it was a it was a later um, uh, arc, and so you know if you compare Stone Ocean to Battle Tendency, it's just a very different. They're a different. The, the the creative design behind JoJo is in a very different place. So and also it didn't have like twenty years to gather up hype, right? That's that's really yeah all it is. yeah. Um. Okay. Well. I guess I gotta, news? Yeah, so let me... So yeah, a couple things. I mean, this is sort of news, but also it's related to what we were talking about before. First episode of uh, Demon Slayer dropped yesterday. Oh, I mean, when we were recording. It's it was yesterday, awesome. But, but over the, the weekend of the of the 5th, um, it, it came out. It's great. It's kind of a filler. Not really filler. I don't want to say that. It's kind of like a postscript to it is. the Mugen Train. There's only yeah. really about like two to five minutes of content that are critical for moving the plot forward to the next bit that we're doing so uh, it looks great i think series is in fantastic hands red light district or tokyo red light district my favorite arc in the series cannot wait um we'll probably add it to our uh, weekly watch it just didn't quite make the cut because we wanted to keep things segregated to um you know the catch-up that we need to do but going forward i think we'll probably wind up talking yeah, about and it i'm air does the opening song so yeah. you know stan Stand, bitches, stand. Right, right. A um, couple other items that are on my list. Uh, we talked about Stone Ocean. It blew up on Netflix. Fantastic. Everyone loves it. It's a good acquisition for Netflix. And also, we talked about um, uh, streaming platforms funding anime. This is a is a hit, like yeah. legitimately. Uh, and I'd like to see more of this, um, not some other shit that they've done uh what what else what else um there's a some teasers that are out we're not gonna get too deep into them my personal favorite is going to be the the legend of galactic heroes uh third season i guess because i just love i love that it's getting a remake after 
maybe 15 years from the original one and that it's been incredibly popular. I mean, to be fair, the franchise has been popular yeah. for a really long time, but it's just one of those things that has only lived in a big way uh, inside of Japan um, because it's a very politically heavy um, space battle tactic, heavy, serious kind of a show. And also, you know, it's old. So refreshing it and rebooting it, I think, is a harder sell. But it's cool. It's coming back. Um, there's some teases out there if you want to see it. They're there. And then I think last for me, uh, was it? Is it really last? Let, yeah, let, let's. I'll save that one for the 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 very end. Um, but I saw a preview that I am actually Whoa. hyped for. And it's not something that uh, has a big name, and it's certainly not something that uh, we've we've talked about. I didn't even know it existed until yesterday, and that is the preview for um, Miyavi, which is a sci-fi extreme baseball anime. And if you watch the preview, by the way, it has a great opening song, but if you watch the preview, it's giving me iShield 21, Akudama Drive, Skate vibes because it's more on the cartoony side than like skate was like was like fujoshi bait i want to see that yeah i I got you i got you yeah like like it was fujoshi bait that's what skate was this is more on the like stylized cartoony side but like the way uh, the colors the world the -the over-the-top like sci-fi stuff that whatever weird version of baseball they're going to be playing in this like absurd sports anime i'm all about it and i really really like the character designs i think the character designs are exactly the kind of thing that you want in a show like this where they're quirky you can look at a character and be like oh i know what that person's about you can look at a team and you can know what 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 you're in for but at the same time like i expect to be surprised by a bunch of weird sci-fi sports shit and again music looks good and animation actually looks pretty good too um not not you know at week weekly sakuga fest but competent interesting wow. colors and palettes and wait and is this cool shit is this tribe nine yes it is oh yeah i was already looking forward to i mean it has Rampa like oh yeah also yeah Rampa as well yeah. it has that feeling so, as well yeah so i i automatically was hopping on this shit yeah i mean yeah i'm i was already planning on watching that one yeah i know yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had never seen it, so I was that was oh, the, the first that I'd ever come across. Literally, it. this entire promotional, like this promotional visual, those are all like Danganronpa character archetypes. I'm with it. I'm totally with it. Um, and and the, we enjoyed Akudama Drive. Yes. So you know, maybe this one will be a little bit better on the landing. And I, I don't care yeah. about you people who got in my Twitter mentions and my YouTube stuff talking about it was a good ending. Bro, no. Okay. Stop. It was not a good ending. I'm sorry, y'all. I enjoyed the ride, but it was not a good ending. Yeah. Okay. I'm just... The the fight scenes in the last episode were cool, though. Yeah, I just want to know why the guy's, like, holding a bleeding, bloody baseball. Like, I want want this shit to be a little darker, but even if it's more of, like, a... uh, It focuses on the fun... I'd be okay with that. I'm just ready for. I saw that the the op, and I'm like, bro, this is some this is some music. We got something happening here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So uh, a nice, exciting, original. Yep. To look forward to. Um, what do I have? I mean, anime wise, I really don't have anything that's like caught my eyes 
Um, recently, yeah, I already bitched about delicious party pedicure. So <laughs> that's about it. Oh, I mean, Nanamizuki is doing the new opening for oh sh- well no that's gonna, well they might make an anime out of that. I mean, Nanamizuki is doing the new opening for Shaman King, and mm-hmm. it's the it is flawless because she is a master at her craft, which is weeb song <laughs> and her voice her voice like just ma- one of the best vocalists on the planet if you ask me but um compile heart revealed another neptunia game so i'm expecting an anime soon they look like they got upgraded mecha parts thingamabob things so that's great and also i'm excited for this and i don't know if they're gonna do an anime adaptation of this and if they do i would love it and if they don't i'd be pissed but you know the live action is actually really good um it's the cherry maho like um 30 years of virgin and so you get magic like the boys love thing the live action was perfect it is the best live action series um adaptation of a manga that i have seen next to alice in borderland like that and alice in borderland are like top tier manga adaptations and i'm talking like top tier like in overall production value and this is for a boy's love they announced that it's getting a sequel movie so really that's fucking yeah i mean apparently it was really fucking popular like they were not expecting how popular it was gonna be because it wasn't like um boys love geared towards gaming it was boys love geared toward you know the shonen eye mm-hmm. kind of people is it and that seems to be a uh, you you've said this kind of like pattern has happened before right like they never expect some of these things to blow up the way they do yeah and it, that might also have to do with you know it's a it's 10 years down the line compared to like, you know, 10 years ago with like BL in Japan. And uh, there is Tokyo BTM. That YouTube channel is so informative for, um, about like gay issues in Japan. It is, it's almost insane that it's like free. And it's a cool channel. I'm, I'm really appreciative that I think you had originally recommended something out of it to me. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm learning so much about it. Cause they, they even recently did a boys love episode, Ooh. um, with a, with a guy who like, you know, collects boys love and they went into the designations and the differences between like, you know, Shonen I, Bara, what, where does like, you know, or like who are the primary audiences depending on like which kind of boys love you consume. And this isn't a boy stuff episode, so I won't go further than that. But yeah, that's about the main thing that I'm excited about. Um, And it's not anime wise, but it could be anime wise if they did an anime adaptation, which I think they should, because I feel like all they have to do is just follow the exact same fucking script as the live action and it'll be fine. (laughs) But also the live action like probably gets a lot of its like charm from the talent of the actors themselves. So that you know who know who knows who knows what will happen but yeah um that's that's all the news that i have yep i'm as they say in the jamaican restaurants fresh out um Um, so then i do have a recommendation this week um and i guess it's one of the general things but it is one of the things from anime nyc and uh um so i visited the noir caesar booth several times and i got to talk with one of the writers several times and he was extremely like i wouldn't just say informative because it is his booth but he was he was extremely welcoming there was no like condescending air of like oh you don't know who we are or etc etc 
it was a very positive experience. But one thing that I will say is that um, one of my favorite artists that I found out about through social media um, is Nicholas Draper Ivy. Oh, yeah, that's and the man. Yeah, like, and if you don't know who Nicholas Draper Ivy is, then you need to you need to go Google and you, you need to go do your research because that is that is a a legend like drawing amongst us right now. Yeah, like, yeah. He'll get his real if, flowers. I think sooner rather than later. I mean, he's still. He's, I mean, he is doing static. Yeah, he's, he's, but I think, but he keeps hinting at a bigger project. So I'm like, all right, now, all right, we're gonna see. But one of the main things that, um, or one of my favorite pickups from it is that, um, Nick he does uh, the art for one of their comics, um, Exogenesis, and at Anime NYC, um, one of the characters, Darius Smith, they have uh, the uh, they had action figures for him. And so after going by and, you know, looking at it several times and I wanted to like buy one of them there, but like the hardcover books weren't available. They were only available through for like pre-order. So I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to buy it anyway. Y'all, this is one of the best um, figurines I've ever gotten in my life. Oh, shit. Like the detail is so good. And they said that Nicholas was the main person who was behind the production of it because he wanted to make sure that it was um, in line with his art as much as possible. And it is. It is wow. really, really fucking cool. It's really fucking nice. And uh, yeah, if you haven't, just check out Noir Caesar and check out like this, like it's the Darius Smith. It's a Noir Authentic um, from Exogenesis. Like it's, the quality is just really, it's uh, it's it's affordable, but like the quality is really good. Like really good. And it literally looks like one of Nicholas's characters like off the page. That's amazing. So, yeah, that that's my recommendation for the week. Cool. Well, I have, um, I guess, two halves of a recommendation. They don't make a whole, but they are halves because we talked about one of them. Um, the first is uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Stone Ocean. It's out. The first part is out. We've talked about you know what we feel in general about the series, and our hope going forward is that we're probably not going to re- uh, review the episodes week to week. We'll probably just do a, a, a single recap of the release parts um, all at once, which means that for those who have not gone ahead and tried to check it out on netflix or, or don't have access we'll give you a heads up but we will be talking and probably talking spoilers definitely have to to, to run down the characters who are introduced in the first part and what they're up to so i would recommend that anybody who wants to hear from us do take the time to uh watch the episodes that have been released because when we get around to it it's going to be one shot so it might be the uh might be either a section to skip but we don't want you to skip we want you to watch we want you to listen so just be aware um, yeah, we're going to be covering it in semi-total um, fairly soon. So that's my recommendation on one end is to watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5 Stone uh, uh, on, on Netflix. Just watch it. Um, the second, and I usually do this because I have probably far too much time, uh, is to check out another uh, short-running manhwa that started in 2021 called The Hero mm. Has Returned. Um, even from its title, you think it's a fairly generic story. There's two... I'll, I'll give the, the elevator pitch, um, but the main character is uh, gets, gets isekai'd right after a, a character who was previously isekai comes back to the real world and destroys everything. So you've got a revenge story that starts 
with a uh, uh, a ret- an isekai returner, and the guy and the main character himself gets isekai out. We then skip all of his time that he spends in that other world because that he goes on to become a psychopath who is uh, fully invested in becoming so powerful that he can come back and murder the person who destroyed his family, killed everybody he knows, and has taken over the world. He succeeds, gets himself sent back because the the mission's over. And what what proceeds from there is um, fully overpowered isekai hero versus isekai hero versus isekai hero versus isekai hero. Like, all the archetypes that you would see in tropes from uh, the genre are represented in characters, almost all of whom are sadistic villains who have to be... And I don't just mean destroyed. I mean demolished in the most berserk way possible. The show is just overpowered from the beginning, as is the main character. There is some heart involved. There is some intrigue involved. There is some, like, uh, you know, some cheesy stuff, you know, that is thrown in there. But from the from a presentation point of view, it is a brutal, brutal motherfucking affair. Like, people getting arms and legs blown off. Um, like, every, every returner that the main character faces... Uh, is suffering from some form of social ideation that came about from whatever their oh. life was like before they left in a, in a, in a way. Um, I mean, like I said, some parts of it are a little over the top. Like the main villain was like a, a neat who just got super discriminated against in the real world. And so when he comes back as a overpowered hero, he just says, fuck this world. I'm, I'm blowing this whole shit down with my soup, with my superpowers and proceeds to like murder whole countries. But Lately, in the in the latest few chapters, we've gotten into like uh, returned heroes from other countries that are now forming different types of archetypes. It's very like if you took My Hero Academia and then like added Berserk and turned it up to eleven, like that's the vibe that the manual wants to go for. Obviously, it doesn't r- at least yet reach that point, but I think it's a really interesting and fun inversion on a lot of the the usual plots and some of the uh, powers and abilities which are all overpowered, are genuinely interesting. Like, they're not just, like, throwaway bullshit. Um, there's some thought that's put behind it. I, I particularly like the... Uh, there's a there's a, a water, ocean-based hero who fell in love in the other world with her dragon who uh, is, like, a, a able to turn into a human, but when she comes back, she's desperate to bring him with her and finds out that not only can this, like, foreign creature not adjust to being a person but also the ability that kept it in human form doesn't work on earth and so they're shunned for their relationship which then leads to a very uh very interesting end for that character and i'll just leave it at that so it's really cool it's called the hero has returned it's only got about like 30 some odd chapters because it started um this year but i think if you're looking for some antiseptic to wash away the stink of you know isekai and returner stories and like all these tropes it's a good easy read so i recommend that one for now well if you all have not already make sure you follow us on social media especially on tiktok because they didn't take down the most recent clip hey yeah because i muted the cuss words yeah (laughs) so follow us on tiktok um at anime savant same thing on uh, instagram uh, youtube and facebook and then follow us on twitter anime underscore savants um if you want the quickest response you just hit us up on twitter because like 
that's just you know niggas be on twitter facts, <laughs> all day facts excessively in fact too but, much you know, too much too much but you know we're in the age of internet addiction have so you, you have, know it's, it is what it is have it's you seen all the nick cannon discourse today on twitter <laughs> no <laughs> don't don't it's oh no well now it's too late yeah let me go ahead nick, it, so the two twitter trends for today for black twitter are nick cannon and jesse smollett and okay i've seen the jesse I haven't seen Nick. What the? How did I miss it? Actually, you know what? I haven't been on Twitter all day because yeah. I've been trying to focus on not getting logged out of Final <laughs> Fantasy XIV. <laughs> you should have recommended Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> well, I can't recommend. I mean, I'm pretty. I will be recommending it, but I haven't even like dipped my toe in the story because uh. I spent um, the entire weekend leveling up the new healer class, the Sage, which has the Gundam funnels as its attack. I saw that shit. I I wish I could get into MMO so bad. I want to, like, but it's like the investment. Man, nigga, when I tell you, there's like an AOE attack where you just send the funnels know, to the fucking monster, and it's just like, da -da 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 -da. and I haven't even gotten the um the hyper. They have a, like a hyper focus like um attack laser. Like I haven't even got. I think I get that at like max level, like at ninety. I can't wait to get that shit. I'm just like, <sighs> it. It's it's so. I'm I'm enjoying the gameplay so far. I like. It's a healer class, yeah. and I know some of y'all don't like to heal in real life. Also, um, <sighs> but some of y'all just don't like to heal. Y'all just like to like you know hit shit and attack shit. But I like healing in MMOs because like it's. It's I don't know. It keeps me engaged the whole time, as opposed to like repeating the same rotation over and over and over again for twenty minutes, and then someone does something wrong, you got to do it all over again. The, the like, irony nah, that nah. playing healer is more interactive than playing attacker is so funny to me. I mean, it is. I mean, playing attacker is interactive because you know positional. Well, true. You got to move. Final yes. Fantasy. Final Fantasy is very much so a um. You need to like memorize this fight. You can't just go in this bitch and be like. Uh, I'm just gonna wing it. It's like you're gonna die. Yeah. You're gonna die. But um, as far as story wise goes, um, from all the people who rushed it in one weekend, which I don't understand why y'all do this. You why 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 are you rushing the entirety of an expansion pack in one weekend only to sit and bitch about there not being new content right after the new content just got released? Make it make sense. Oof. It doesn't make sense because you didn't make it make sense. Y'all, what are you doing? But those people who aren't bitching about it in that way, um, they're saying that they fucking love the story. Like, I, this is my favorite Final Fantasy story, like, hands down. Oh, wow. Like, hands down. This is my favorite Final Fantasy story. The way that they're handling all the characters, because this has been one of my main complaints about Final Fantasy since, um, what was it, like, 10? Um, I think, no, not 10 since like, um, since 12 and then they fixed that in 13 and they went backwards again in 15 is that like the focus on the side characters or no, I've been saying this about this since like nine where like some of the characters that join, they have their story arc, but beyond that story arc, they really aren't that important. Right. They just come in and then it's, you get it and then it's done. Yeah. 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 It's like, yeah, yeah you're following us around now. And so well, Final Fantasy nine, that was less so true, but like uh, Amaranth, like that nigga looked so cold. He had that one story arc and then he was just with the party. Like nothing else was going on behind the scenes. Aiko, she joined the party. She had something to do with all the summoner shit that was going on. She was used as a conduit. Like I was like, what? 
So why couldn't Amaran get more exposition? Queena, what mm. the fuck? What the fuck was that, y'all? Come on now. So as it went on, especially with Final Fantasy twelve, it got better, but then all of a sudden it became the Balthier show, which he should have been the main character anyways. I, I think that was like the original it. idea. <laughs> well, no, the the main character was um Bosch. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're totally right. Yes. The main character was Bosch, and then I think someone was like, oh, it's not going to appeal to the blah, blah, blah audience. And so then Vaughn just got created out of thin air, which, you know what, that's that's whatever. But then 13 came around and did a much better job with hyper-focusing, but then it also, too, why am I going into like- Yeah, um, we could do this, we could do this all day. I'm going to just say yeah. that Vivi's death is still one of my favorite moments- in all the Final Fantasy, I think it. I think it. Uh, that moment overshadowed so much other thing, uh, so many other things in that game that it made me less interested yeah. in finishing the game. Not because I, I wanted to live, but just because there were there were uh, it, nothing hit me as hard as that. So yeah, they could have done a better yeah. job with some of these other characters. Uh, all right, I agree. But as comparing it to the other ones, yeah, fourteen is definitely like my favorite now. So that's what's up. Yeah. All right. Well, where can they follow you? You Sorry. can. They can. <laughs> you all can find me at Neural Handshake on Twitter. I now pay a little bit more attention to the actual Anime Savants Twitter account as well. So you know you can yell there or yell at me, and you'll get some hot shit back one way or the other. It's all good. Um, yeah, that's about it. Um, long week, but we're back at it. And hopefully we will make it through Christmas unscathed and uh, see a new season right around the corner. Oh, God, a new season is soon. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I thought it was going to be a chill holiday. No. Yeah. Everything's ending. No. Okay. There may be like one week. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Bye. Peace out.